0: Yeah, well, why don't we, uh, yeah, well, let's, let's turn to our neighbor, right? And I want you to think back when you were a child, and remember when you got a Christmas present that you didn't like, okay? I, de- I mean, I want to meet your parents. <laughs> yeah, like talk to your neighbor for a few minutes. <laughs> You did it? Okay, so Steven was sad because he never got the BB gun he always wanted. He, the Red Rider, his mom said he was gonna poke his eye out, kid. <laughs> You get something and you're actually sad because you get it. I got a skateboard and then I busted my face open. (laughs) I was sad, you know. I was missing my two front teeth for like five years. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny to talk about sadness, actually, uh, in one way, because these things are funny, but there are some things that aren't so funny when we talk about sadness. Well, let's turn to Psalm 107. We're gonna read uh, two two good portions of scripture, and but we're my thought is is last week we talked about Job nineteen twenty four right where Job says my redeemer lives, and you know Easter has come and gone, and I don't want to like leave it <laughs> because it's you know this is the thing about our Christian life with God is like the Resurrection, Resurrection Sunday isn't just one day that we celebrate. As believers, it is something that's a part of our life daily, isn't it? Yeah, amen. And if it's not, actually, um, you know, then there's something maybe we need to reevaluate with our walk with God. But, you know, A.W. T- Tozer said the, 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 the first century church, what they did is that they made every day holy. Right? And then all of a sudden you see like this tradition creeps back in where they're making days holy just like the Pharisees did. And he says as Christians we need to get back into, you know, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, you know, the book of Acts. We need to get back in the book of Acts and remember that every day with the Lord is an amazing day. And I'm just thinking about it today and we're going to talk about a few things that are a little heavy. But then, you know, but the real point is, is that God is our Redeemer. Amen? And that is a beautiful thing to think about, to talk about, to learn about. Because redemption, here's the amazing thing about redemption. As I was studying earlier this morning, I looked at redemption and followed it through the Bible. And do you know what? Redemption has nothing to do with you. (laughs) I was like, all right, so God is the Redeemer, and, and I thought and this title, The Redeemed Life. Now, what does it mean to live a redeemed life? But, you know, I was looking at this word redeemed, redeemed, and following it through the Bible, and I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? I want to live a redeemed life. It has everything to do what God has done and continues to do. And that's the important part in this message is that God is continuing to do a work of redemption in my life. You know, we are here and we are saved by God's grace. Amen? Um, But that, you know, salvation isn't finished. And what I mean by that is God is going to continue to save us when we get in trouble. Because we get in trouble, don't we? Anybody been in trouble this week? <laughs> All right, Rich. What'd you do? You want to know? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I, I saw that when I asked the question, your wife looked at you really quick. <laughs> no, it's true. We get we get in trouble. Um, you know, like I just did with Grace. We get in trouble. <laughs> we say things we shouldn't say, and then you know, but Psalm one hundred seven. We're gonna read verses one through seven. And I love it's very, it's so amazing. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Does anybody remember that song from when you were younger? Whom has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and the south, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, <laughs> and they delivered them out, and He delivered them out of their distress, and He led them forth by the right way. And it just continues and continues. And I love this portion of Scripture, and I'm going to tie it here. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 24. And I really want to focus in, Luke, in Psalm 107 that part where it says their soul fainted. It's, a, it's an interesting little word, isn't it, to have your soul faint? Now let's read this verse or story in Luke 24, um, verses 17 through 24. Jesus said to them, What kind of conversation? Is this that you have with one another, and you walk in are sad? Then one who was named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? So he said to them, uh, So he said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all these things today is a third day since these things have happened. And to stop right there, I love this story about. And we don't know who these disciples are. They're they're not one of the twelve. We don't know anything. We just know one name. That name is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. But we do know that they were disciples of Jesus. We do know that they were there in the process of Jesus' condemnation. We do know that they followed him and they saw many amazing things that God has had done. And there is that one, one verse that says right there, and they, they speak of Jesus in the past tense. Well, Jesus is right there. Which we know, which is amazing. But they didn't know that. But they are speaking of Jesus in past tense. And they are saying this one little statement. says, we hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. It's amazing when we think about what our hopes include, isn't it? I mean, here are the disciples. And actually, a lot of scholars believe that they were discussing some of these ideas. Like Jesus said that he was going to die you know, and that he would be risen again. You know, going back and forth, wondering what God is going, or what Jesus was saying, and uh, could these things actually be true? And here they are, there on the third day, in, in face with Jesus, and they're seeing who he is, in one sense. But they're having this discussion with God, and they still have this understanding. We hope that he was the one who is going to redeem Israel. Now, the thing that I that I, I think is so amazing about this. Is their definition of who the Redeemer would be. It's not what the Redeemer, you know, it's like you know, by defining who the Redeemer is going to be, defines also what he will do. Okay? So they understood Jesus and his authority that he had from God, they understood Jesus and the power that he had before men, but they didn't know Jesus as being the Redeemer. Only the Redeemer of Israel. It was narrow, right? It was narrow. But see, this is the amazing thing. Even in their spiritual narrowness, Jesus still shows up and communicates and speaks and reveals to them. but it's that very that's that verse in the very beginning when Jesus first shows up, he says, "Why are you so sad? <laughs> Why are you so sad? And I was looking at this verse and I was thinking about different things that happen in life and that cause sadness in our hearts. And Jesus could be walking with us and many of us walk with Jesus, um, you know, and I like to use this way, uh, this kind of this word, like we have an imperfect walk with Jesus, right? How many of us have a perfect walk with God? back in the corner. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, none of us have a perfect walk. We have an imperfect walk with God. We have an imperfect faith. We have imperfect forgiveness. But here's the thing is, in our life, there is a measure of a walk with God, right? There is a measure of faith in our walk with God, although it's imperfect. There is a measure of forgiveness, although it is also imperfect. There is a measure of grace, although it is imperfect. There's measure of joy although it is also incomplete. See here we are we are living our lives in this body that is imperfect. Yet God has through his redemption God has invited us in to fellowship with the Trinity. I mean that's what God is at, you know we're not part of the Trinity, okay? <laughs> but we are we are invited to be a part of the fellowship with with God. With Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. We are a part of that even though there's imperfection in our life. And here are the disciples and they are imperfect. They are sad. And that word sad, it means it's a strong word. It doesn't I mean I'm, I'm sad because I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas Stephen. you know. Like, yes, as a kid, that is the end of the world. I can't play a video game for two more minutes. You don't even know what two more minutes means. You know, it's like, you, you know... And here's the here's the amazing thing. I was looking up this word what sadness really means. You know, sadness means that we lose something that is very dear to us and is an is an object that we lose in our life. Now the, the, the weight of sadness is dependent on the weights of the object in our life. So if the object has a lot of weights, then the sadness in our life is very heavy. So here in this verse, this, this word for sadness is only used two times in the entire New Testament. It is a very heavy word because it, is, it means that there is so much sadness in their life that, it, that when they begin to think about it, their face is contorted. <laughs> you, know, you, 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 know, you become so sad and you're just, your face becomes different. And actually there is one, one uh, translation of the Bible that says that they were walking with Jesus And as soon as Jesus said this, they stopped and they looked at him with like a contorted face. That's what one translation says. Why? Why? Because Jesus had so much weight in their life. And they thought they lost Jesus. So they became sad. You know, it's actually this word sad doesn't really do it justice. Because a lot of these, and we see it in the life of Peter and the disciples, They put their entire, you know, all their money, all their chips in. Like, all right, you know, here, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you everything, and I'm going to follow you. And then now he's dead. (laughs) I mean, they were walking. They were about seven miles away from Jerusalem. They were walking away from Jerusalem, these two disciples. You know, they, they were, they gave so much, and Jesus meant so much to them. And now because of this drastic change in their life, They're beginning to question God. It's going to read it. It says, sadness is an adjective used to describe uh, a way and the emotion of their walk. You know, this word sad was describing how they are walking. Now, here's the amazing thing. In, 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 In spiritual principle, we are walking with Jesus, right? Just like these two disciples. But is sadness... Being used to define our walk With God You look at in church history And you see that there's a lot of bad things Was sadness used To define their walk with God No We sang some amazing songs today And what did they do They were uplifting who God is And the victory that God gives them It's amazing You know Here's the amazing thing about sadness. It says, while sadness is often considered a negative emotion, sadness is used uh, to, it serves as an important role in singling the need to receive help and comfort. So if there is sadness in my life, what does it signal in my life? What does it signal to me? It says that I need help. If there is sadness in my life, what does it signal? It means that I need comfort. That's amazing. In in John chapter 16, who did Jesus say that he was going to send? The Holy Spirit, who is also called the Comforter. In in John chapter 16, he uses another another word for sadness he uses. And this word for sadness is even stronger. I mean, John says it in John chapter 16. he, He says it in a different way. He says that you have to have sorrow in your life. It has to happen. And he's speaking of his going away. So here are the disciples in Luke 24. And maybe they heard Jesus' words in in John chapter 16 where he's describing, I have to go away, but when I go, I will send a comforter. But if I don't go, you will not receive something greater. Jesus is saying in, in, in this way that you have to experience great loss in your life So that way you can experience great victory. Very simply said. And so many times we get hung up on the things that we do not have in our walk with God. We get hung up on the things that we do not have in our house. We get hung up on these things. And what does it create? It creates sorrow in my heart. It creates sadness in my heart. And God is saying I haven't designed you to have these things. That is a temporary emotion that is designed to signal your need for me. (laughs) That that, that, That is important. That is a temporary emotion that is designed to signal your need for God. How many people out there are so distressed? because of life circumstances how many people in the church are so distressed because of life cir- circumstances and the thing is is Jesus is saying that you need and I am here and I have given the holy spirit who is the comforter and you can run to God you can run to me let's actually turn to those verses in John chapter 16 Starting in verse, uh, I believe, 19. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. Just stop right there. When Jesus says something hard, or when something hard is said in your life, there are things that we desire from God, aren't there? And we desire to ask him, but it's almost in our life There can be fear to ask God. I was talking to two guys, Alex and Alex, yesterday at Baker Park. Great conversation, actually. And we kind of pinpointed to this one thing. He was afraid to ask God, is he really good? Because he sees the evil in the world and how could an evil or a good God allow evil, right? That old question. But he was afraid to ask God the question, are you good? You know, in all of our lives, there are questions that we are afraid to ask. And this theme keeps coming up. The disciples in John 16 are afraid to ask a question. In Luke 24, they had a thought of who Jesus was. In both cases, what is happening is that God... Meets the need every single time. So in verse 19, it says, you know, that Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, are you inqu- why are, are you inquiring amongst yourselves about what I said? Like, without them even asking, God addresses the question in my life. And here's the thing, is that God, there are questions, there are things that are happening in our lives and God is going to answer those things. Verse 20, he said, Moses, surely I say to you that you will weep and lament and the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. There is sorrow in our life. There is sadness in our life. You know, and, 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 These things, Jesus is saying that it is necessary. And I love how Jesus in this passage, you know, contrasts the sorrow that we have as believers for Jesus leaving and then the joy that the world has for him being gone. (laughs) Isn't it funny? I mean, the world has so much joy for all the wrong reasons. And here we are. We are sad. But the story that God has is not finished. Now, let's turn back to Psalm 107, because I want to connect this idea of sadness with this thought in Psalm 107 of being faint in my soul. The idea of being faint in my soul, it means this. It means that it is a state of my mind where darkness seems to block the way. That is, that is before me, meaning this, that God has designed for me to walk with him. God has given me a path, we could say, of spiritual success, where I am uh, present with his presence, where I am following the cloud, not the crowd, <laughs> where I am with God. God has designed this path for me, but there is darkness that has blocked my way. Now, this word faint, it is used in several different ways. It is used in Psalm 73 when a field is covered with grain. It is used in Job 23 when Job hides himself. It is used in Psalm 77 when we are covered with darkness. Now, here's what it really means. that In my soul, in my mind, that darkness is covering my life so that way I can't be seen by God or I can't see God's way. Genesis chapter 3, what happens? Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? I am hiding because I didn't want you to find me. I mean, can you hide from God? Adam, I mean, God is asking, where are you? He knows where you are, buddy. (laughs) But here we are in our own experience. Now, this is the point. This isn't God towards us, but this is in our experience with God that we find that there are things... That are blocking our path And in Psalm 107 It's a direct reference to Isaiah 43 And what is blocking Israel's path It was the Babylonian Empire In Psalm 42 uh, and Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 44 What is blocking their path Sin Disobedience now, the answer here in Psalm 107 isn't that there has to be correction of man's way or man's way has to be perfected for him to find his way with God. Right? Like that's what we often say and that's what we often think. Yesterday I heard it. I'll come to church when my life is put together. I'll, I'll, I'll come to church when I figure a few things out. You know, um, I can become more real with God. You know, and here's, what, here's what's happening. Is that all of a sudden, instead of me glorifying the Redeemer, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Instead of me shouting acclamations of joy and glory to God, I begin to look at myself and I begin to fix myself and then I become my own Redeemer. And this is exactly what the the disciples thought in, in Luke 24. They had the wrong idea of who the Redeemer was. He's going to redeem Israel. No, he's not. That was never a part of the plan. His, rede- his, his idea of redemption was to redeem the world, not from the Roman Empire, but from the power of sin. So what does, it be, what does it mean to be free? What does it mean to be free from sin? It doesn't mean that I am free from the power of sin. It means that I am, re- I am, I am free from the authority of sin. Two very different words. Two very different words. I am not free from the power of sin. I'm, I am free from the authority of sin. Sin no longer has authority in my life, but it can have power. This is what I mean. Alright? Power means that I have the ability and strength, right? You know, like do you have the power to lift five chairs? Yes, you do. Okay. But what is authority? Authority means not only do you have the power, but now you have the governmental permission to do something about it, okay? You have authority, like something, the power has been given down to to you to do something about this situation. Actually, I think I have. Authority is the legal or formal rights to give orders and commandments And take decisions is known as authority. So it is the legal and formal right that I have, okay? So at one point, sin has authority over us, right? If I sin, there is consequences. If I sin, there is death. And we still experience death today. Why? Because of sin, okay? But does sin have authority in my life today as a believer? No, it doesn't. Psalm one oh seven verse two says whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I mean that is one verse. We could talk a lot a lot of verses about the power and the authority of sin. But one verse right here for our for our message is Psalm one hundred seven two the hand of the enemy. At one point, this is making direct reference to the Babylonian Empire, and they later do come in, don't they? But at this point, they're trying to come in and destroy Israel. And God says, no, no. Why? Because of my mercy, not because of your works. Because Isaiah 42, you're sinful. Isaiah 44, there's more sin again. So obviously it has nothing to do with the works of Israel, but has everything to do with the mercy of God. And it says to the enemy, you no longer have authority. Babylonian Empire, do you have power? Oh, they had a lot more power than Israel. Does sin have power today? Yes, it does. It is amazing how quick my mind can be distracted by, you know, pornography, from from ver, you know words, from these different sins, and my mind can very quickly and it comes out of nowhere. How does that happen? Because sin does have power, but it no longer has authority in my life. See, God, it says, and I, and I love verse 2, right in the beginning, it says, let the redeemed that the Lord say so. What that means is that I have a, a um, I wrote it down, so, or did I? <laughs> yeah, I am, it says that I, I am especially qualified to appreciate and to testify of the mercy of God. That's what it means when it says, let the redeemed say so. It means that I am especially qualified to testify and to appreciate God's mercy because I firsthand have seen the hand of God redeem me. So, in Psalm 107, and you look in Exodus, and you look in Isaiah 42. Did did, did Israel redeem themselves? No. Every time they tried to in the wilderness, what happens? They failed. Again, they lost the battle. But every time they relied on God, see? They looked to God. I mean, there were times even when they would bring the Ark of the Covenant out without seeking God. Bring the Ark of the Covenant out. All right, we're going to win this battle now over the Philistines. We're going to win this battle. We're going to win that. Oh, just bring the Ark of the Covenant out. and You know, it's happened before. But no relationship with God. See, here's the thing is, in our life, for and I love this. And what does it mean to be redeemed? It means that in my life, I know how to run to God in my imperfection. And you know what? In my life, I want to be redeemed by God, because if it's in my own strength, there can be power, yet there is no authority. See, just as sin has no authority in my life, but it has power, it could also, the tables could be reversed. In my Christian walk, I could have power, because the Spirit of God is inside of you. The same Spirit that lives inside of you is living inside of me. It was the same Spirit that lives in all these great missionaries and all these great men and women in the Bible. It is the same Spirit of God. It is the same God. same God that led you know Billy Graham to preach these amazing messages and to win thousands of to Hudson Taylor to go to China and be a missionary. I mean, Pastor Shabeli, I mean, to every one of these. It is the same God that is living inside of me right now. The same God. So why don't I experience that God? Well, maybe it's because I have the power, but I, I no longer have the authority because I am not running to my Redeemer. I am running to my own abilities. How many times do we run to our own strengths to fix our problems instead of running to the Redeemer? And do you know what has to happen? It has to happen. I mean, some, some of some of you guys are smart. You go to school and the teacher says something and you learn. The rest of us don't listen to the teacher. <laughs> we go out. We mess up. We like, go, oh, that was probably a bad idea. Let's try it again. No, nope, bad idea again. Making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, right? Like so that happens to some of us. But you know what? It has to be that I go, I run to God. It has to be that I learn to listen to what God is saying and what God is doing and how God is moving. And if I learn to run to Him, what am I going to see? The mercy of God. I mean, you read the end of those verses. Verse, uh, one, uh, Psalm 107, verse 6, Then they said in a crowd with a loud voice in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. Yes, there was sadness. Yes, you know, and some of us have to learn that way. There has to be sadness where we lose something that is so important for us to realize that I can't, re- I can't depend on my own abilities, but I have to run to the authority and the power of God. This is what they did. They cried to God in their trouble and he delivered and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. What is that saying? That is saying that in our lives, God has a place where we can be at rest in our soul. Why isn't there rest in our soul? It's because we haven't leaned on God. We haven't leaned in on God. We haven't shouted to him in our trouble. We haven't waited on the Lord to deliver us. We haven't waited for him to make us and to lead us in the right way. We haven't waited for him to give us rest. We have looked to ourselves because we are impatient. you know, I'm I'm preaching to myself. You know, good preachers always preach at themselves. We become impatient and we try to fix our own problems. And God says, I am your Redeemer. I am your Redeemer. And I want in your life for there to be the testimony of God's greatness. I want there to be the shout of Jesus on your lips because of my goodness in your life. You know, today... In closing, thinking about this, you know, what does it mean to be redeemed and to have redeemed life? It doesn't mean that God takes me out of darkness and into light and then I begin to perform my redemption. No, that's not what it means to be redeemed and to have a redeemed life. What it means to be redeemed and to live a redeemed life, it means that I learn to constantly shout to God when I'm in trouble. Or when I'm not. I learned constantly to shout to God and say, God, help. And even when I'm not in trouble, I'm, I'm still shouting to God, you know, reveal yourself to me. Be here. Let your presence be real. I learned to seek him. You know what? Oftentimes we find ourselves seeking God when we are in trouble. And then God says, here, this is the answer. And we say, God, that's silly. And how many stories of that do we see in the Bible? You know, dip dip in the water. Like, are you serious? What was that story? Where's Elias? He knows those stories. (laughs) You know, it's like, dip in the water? It's like, there's better waters where we are. I'm not doing that. It's silly. God tells us to do some very silly things sometimes. But that's exactly the path that God leads us into healing and to have rest. So today... Just let us learn to lean into God. Let him be our redeemer. We don't perform our redemption. You're right? So we understand redeeming means we don't earn it, but also being redeemed means that I cannot keep it either. I don't keep it, but I live in it. Two very different things. One thing is something that is in your hands, Then the other is that you're in somebody else's hands. And think about it today, what do you value? Remember, sadness is weighted by the loss of an object that you value. What do you value today? And do you value it too much or too little? Do you value God today? And how much? I don't want to be hyper-spiritual about it or too heavy about it, but do you value God Do you value M&M's? <laughs> Elias found a secret m M&M and m stash that he hid on himself, or from us, one or the other. <laughs> and he valued it, you know? It's like, you know, just as little children value silly things, maybe in our lives we make sacrifices, right? So, I mean, you guys are here at 3.30 on a Sunday afternoon. You could be at home grilling right now, you know, you know watching something <laughs> you know there's a lot we could be doing right but we value God we say God I am desperate for you I'm desperate because I value you and that's what I don't want to lose God I don't want to lose you and when we lose him like we become introspective don't we because we're like God you know where'd you go I begin to search my life for what what is wrong with me and sometimes maybe that's the case right Maybe there's something in my life where that has caused me to lose God, but God is still there because it's not that I have God, but God has me. Amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for worship. Thank you for Andrew and the team. Thank you for the the homeschool, Sunday school. (laughs) Thank you for everything that you are doing. Thank you for everybody that is here. Uh, We pray that you'll put the weight of God, like, in our lives, like, God, like, you are important, and we want, like, spiritual things to weigh a lot, we thank you, we thank you, just bless our time, bless our fellowship, in Jesus' name, amen.